the views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of the Real News Communications Network. Welcome to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone, where America's top cleaning expert shows you the ins and outs of keeping a clean home and a clean business. From expert advice to cutting-edge interviews, Debbie uses her 30 years experience to bring you the insight you need to be cleaning up. And now, here's your host, Debbie Sardone. Hello, this is Debbie, your host of Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone on the Real News Communications Network. I have a really good show for you today, so don't move. In a minute, we'll be talking about the five major differences between a successful entrepreneur and the employee. Then, after our break, I'll tell you about the salesman that couldn't sell and exactly why. And then today, I have an expert guest with me, Diana Rissell, who will introduce us to the new rules of weight loss. If you've ever been frustrated in this area, you'll be surprised at what you hear today. And then we'll wrap up today's show with our quality of life segment and how busy people can actually keep their quality of life commitments once and for all guaranteed. But first, ever wonder how some people go from being an employee to a successful entrepreneur and others who have the dream but never make that leap? You don't have to own your own business to think like an entrepreneur, but in order to succeed at being an entrepreneur, you have to think more like an entrepreneur and less like an employee. It's all about your mindset. If you shift your thinking, you just might improve your entrepreneurial success. So let's get right into it. First, entrepreneurs improve their skills. Employees improve their weaknesses. As entrepreneurs, we don't have that dreaded annual performance review where the boss points out our weaknesses and suggests ways that we improve them. Employees spend the year working to improve their weaknesses, while entrepreneurs focus on their strengths and work hard at getting better and better at what they already do well, eventually becoming an expert or the best at what they do. Now, before you start thinking or patting yourself on the back, oh good, then I guess I'm a perfectionist, so I'm an entrepreneur. Let's go to number two. Employees tend to be perfectionists and entrepreneurs. Well, <laughs> we push things out the door when they are less than perfect. Why? Well, employees are constantly scrutinized by the boss for their work, and they want it to be perfect so they don't get that negative review. Whereas entrepreneurs know that if we tweak it till it's perfect, it may never get out the door, <laughs> which means we don't produce, which means we don't make a sale. And that means we don't eat. Employees often are salaried and uh, whether or not they eat doesn't always have to do with whether or not they produce. Not so with an entrepreneur. In other words, entrepreneurs understand that a poorly executed plan is better than a perfect plan that never launched. And I'm not talking about the difference between perfection and sloppy or shoddy work. 
entrepreneurs know that there is something in the middle. It's called good enough, which can still be excellent, though not perfect. So then number three, entrepreneurs delegate, whereas employees feel threatened by delegation. Entrepreneurs know the monetary value of their time, and they continually work on getting things off their plates, while employees volunteer for more and more. Oh, I can do that. Oh, I'll take that on. Entrepreneurs continually try to replace themselves or fire ourselves from those lower level tasks in our business, whereas on, uh, employees, on the other hand, try to do everything themselves and see it as a weakness to ask for help or to hand tasks off to someone else. In fact, they're terrified of being replaceable, whereas entrepreneurs know we must become replaceable. This is a mindset shift. I've had employees who were mediocre at their job because they were terrified to hand off tasks to somebody else in the office for fear that that would make them more replaceable. And so they did everything poorly instead of a few things exceptionally well. Entrepreneurs know their limitations and value their time. They delegate. So number four, entrepreneurs thrive on risk and employees avoid it like the plague. I have a friend that I really enjoy meeting for coffee with every now and then. He's a very smart guy. He has a big desire and hunger to start his own business. But he does work for corporate America. And every time we meet, he says, I'm going to start my business next year. He can't launch his dream because he's not a risk taker, period. He has to have that income security, that 401k program, the employer provided insurance. So he waits. He waits to launch his dream. For 10 years, he's been telling me he's going to start his own business and he hasn't started it yet. Entrepreneurs thrive on risk. We understand that without risk, there is no reward. I'm sitting in the studio of a man who quit a successful career to launch his own business. Talk about a risk taker. Most would never take that kind of risk and most will never enjoy the rewards of risk taking. The what ifs are too scary unless you think like an entrepreneur instead of like an employee. And then that takes us to number five. Employees are threatened by smarter people and entrepreneurs hire them. Working in corporate is tough. I get that. If you're not the smartest, you might end up on the bottom. If you hire a rock star, you just might get replaced by that rock star in your office. I actually have a friend who was an underling in a big corporation, and she repeatedly outperformed her boss. Guess what? During the layoff periods, her boss got the axe, and then two years later, she got that boss's old job. So I get when you're an employee, other people shining could result in your own demise, but not so when you're an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs know their weaknesses and their strengths. And remember, we don't work on improving our weaknesses. And entrepreneurs work hard at hiring up. We try to hire 
above our own skill set. We're not threatened by others' skills because we know that without a great team, our business will fail. So you may own your own business, but do you think like an employee or do you think more like an entrepreneur? Coming up next, don't go away. I'll tell you about the salesman that couldn't sell and exactly why in our Go Giver segment. More of Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone is next on the Real News Communications Network. The Center for Animal Research and Education is a nonprofit providing a permanent home to over 50 abused and abandoned big cats in DFW. Come out for a tour and meet our amazing lions, tigers, and leopards. For more information, go to carerescuetexas.com. Who says green can't be clean? Here's a tip that many professional home cleaning services already know. You can power through the grime in less time with our 100% naturally safe speed cleaning products. Don't waste your time with the products that don't work. Our non-toxic cleaners are safe around pets and people, yet tough on dirt. If you want to clean your home in half the time, visit speedcleaning.com and sign up for our speed cleaning tip of the week. You're listening to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone on the Real News Communications Network. Welcome back. This is Debbie, and you're listening to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone on the Real News Communications Network, and this is the Go-Giver segment. Ever wonder why you haven't been able to land that dream job or land those prized accounts? I think this story will help. Several years ago, I was having a conversation with a woman who was looking for a sales job, and we were just at Leeds meeting, and she was telling me how much she needed a job, and she also was telling me how great she was at sales, how many years she had been in sales, how experienced she was. She didn't know that she was actually in an interview at that very moment with me, so she wasn't selling me at all. She wasn't selling me at that time. She was talking about the what. She never really mentioned the why. She was talking about, and if you remember last week's segment, we also talked about sell the why, not the what. But she was talking about what she was looking for in a job. You know, I need full time. I need a flexible schedule. I'm, I, I have 15 years of experience. I am a self-starter. I do need health insurance. I've got to start at at least 45000 and I am a really hard worker. Hard worker? Employers aren't looking for hard workers. Employers are looking for results. We're looking for people to solve a problem in our company. Most of us don't want to spend more money on labor cost. We're trying to solve a problem or we're trying to create results. We don't really care how hard you work. We want to know, can you create results? Hardworking is not a strength, and that's not going to sell anybody. Employers want to know, can you deliver? Stop selling what and start selling why. If you want to land the promotion or the dream job or the big account. I mean, this lady is in sales for crying out loud. She was not selling herself. I tried to help her out. I started gently asking those why questions. I tried to guide her into bragging about her results. 
and sharing her achievements of the past. She never took the bait. She never took the hint. She just kept telling me what she was looking for and how she was a hard worker. She kept telling me the what's and she never shared the why's. And honestly, I don't think she even understood the why's. She only understood the what's. I show up. I am dependable. You can count on me. I've been selling for 15 years. She didn't understand the what's. I don't think she understood what people are looking for when they need someone to work for them in sales. She never showed me the why. And of course, as you can imagine, she certainly didn't get a job offer. So I kind of went into coaching mode for a few minutes. And of course, I've always learned the hard way that anytime you volunteer your advice to someone who didn't ask for it, it's pretty much a waste of breath. (laughs) Because generally, they don't want it. If they haven't asked you for your advice, they'll come up with a million excuses as to why that won't apply to them or they don't need to hear that. So of course, I did go into coaching mode for just a few minutes before I caught myself and said, shut up, she doesn't want to hear this. Um, But I really genuinely did want to help her. And I asked her if she'd like a little bit of feedback, a little bit of advice on interviewing for the job. And of course, her hesitance in the way she answered, let me know very quickly, she was just being polite, and she was not interested in anything I had to say. So uh, I just shared with her briefly, you're always interviewing for a job. You're always interviewing. You're supposed to always be selling yourself. She never really got it. I I could tell it did not sink in because she continued to make excuses. I shared with her that she wasn't selling me. And then she quickly interrupted and said, well, I, 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 you know, I'm not interviewing. And she didn't get it. She never got it that you're always selling. You're always interviewing. And I don't care if you're unemployed looking for a job or if you're an entrepreneur looking for the next client. You're always selling. How you behave, how you interact, the conversations you have, you're always interviewing for the next opportunity. It doesn't start with a specific appointment in someone's conference room. It starts with the encounters and the interactions that leave people feeling like, oh my goodness, I really need to hire her. (laughs) You know, even people who don't have a job opening, those conversations need to leave people feeling like, wow, I wish I could find a way to get her on my staff. She sounds like she can deliver or he sounds like he can deliver. Again, she was selling the what and not the why, you know, full time, $45,000 minimum salary flexible hours. I got to have health insurance. I am dependable. Rule number one, don't sell what you need in conversations. Wait till you have a job offer. What is the point in telling people what you need until you have an offer to turn them down? Sell them what they need. When you're talking to people, when you have an opportunity, when you're interviewing, or you're just practicing for that next opportunity, sales 101, sell them what they need, not what you need. She did not give me the confidence that she could sell because she couldn't even sell me in a five minute encounter. So why should I hire her? Why does my company need her? She was never able to demonstrate that for me. 
Why should I hire this person? Do I need this person? How much business can she bring my company? She never shared results. She never shared with me how at her former company, she raised their sales by 20% or she was the top salesperson in the company and she brought on more clients, more new clients than any other salesperson had, had brought on. She never shared with me how effective she was, how she brought about change, how she increased their bottom line or improved their profits. Nothing. All I heard was that she's a hard worker and she shows up and she has a lot of experience. I could tell she wasn't really open to feedback as she was more interested in making excuses and protecting her bruised ego and less interested in listening and learning from this very brief exchange. She kept repeating, well, I'm, I'm not in an interview right now. I would say different things in an interview. Not. She really wouldn't. She never really got the concept that you're always interviewing. You're always selling yourself, especially if you're in sales. But who isn't in sales? Aren't we are? Aren't we all? If you want the promotion at work, if you want to win the sale, detail how you make your boss look good, how you solve their problems, how you increase their business, how you bring about more success for them. You know, improved department numbers or how important it is to you that your boss gets recognized and grows. Sell the benefits, not the what. Not the, I need a raise when you're in a performance interview. Th that's not selling the benefit of giving you the raise. I need a raise so that I can be, do more or work longer hours and bring in more benefit to the company. Sell the why, not the what. Sadly, I would never offer this person that sales job. She couldn't even sell me in a five-minute conversation. Now, I'd love to hear your comments on Facebook. Like us at Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone. When we come back, if you're frustrated with trying to lose weight, thinking you are doing all the right things but not getting results, expert health coach Diana Rissell will be our guest, so don't go away. I was up before the dawn. More of Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone is next on the Real News Communications Network. Something that every business owner relies on is good advice. And that's where SCORE can help. SCORE is a nonprofit organization where we provide free business consulting services to people who want to start a business. For nearly 50 years, SCORE mentors have been helping businesses realize their dreams. What's even better than dreams is making a dream come true. Volunteer your expertise. You've got it. Share it. Volunteer your expertise today at SCORE.org. You're listening to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone on the Real News Communications Network. Hey, we're back with Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone on the Real News Communications Network, and I'm your host, Debbie Sardone. So why do the rules keep changing when it comes to weight loss? Or is it just that we never really get it quite right in the first place? Here today, I have expert health coach Diana Rissell to tell us why. Diana, welcome to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone. Thanks, Debbie. It's great to be here. 
Okay, Diana, get us started. Where are we going wrong? Why can't I fit into my jeans since the holidays? <laughs> I think your jeans look great, Debbie. <laughs> um, I, I think uh, I think we do have these concepts in our heads um, around how to lose weight. And at least for me, I had to kind of walk, w- abandon those. And I had to acknowledge that a lot of them were just myths, you know, and, and I had a really abandoned accountability to somebody that really knew about it. And that's how I started my journey. And there really are these myths out there. And one of them plays off of what you just said, and that's your genes. And we all think, well, a lot of my family is overweight, or hey, you know, my mom was overweight. And we really kind of get stuck in that excuse mode. And really only about 30% of our health is wrapped up in our genes. Okay, so you're talking G-E-N-E-S. Exactly, exactly. And not J-E-A-N-S, like your Lees or your your Levi's, right? Well, I've been guilty of blaming it on my metabolism. (laughs) (laughs) We've all done that. Uh, I had an overweight mother all my life, and um, I really wondered if that was going to be my route as well. And only 30% are really in your genes, your DNA. And that's important to know and important to pay attention to because those things can be critical to, you know, your longevity and your health. But it's Uh, encouraging. Exactly. It ought to be encouraging. I don't feel destined if my family was overweight. So that's actually a very encouraging statement. So if it can't be blamed on our genes... Where are we going with this? Well, I love the fact that you can be empowered, right? And one of the first things I find is this paradox that exists in the weight loss world. Um, I have many, many women that come to me and say, well, I don't eat very much, or I've cut out breakfast and lunch so that I can diet and I can lose weight. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like the worst thing you can do. You have to eat to lose weight. And that's very counterintuitive. Oh, Um, it is. That's absolutely that's absolutely backwards from most of our thinking exactly and and but I kind of like that I like it too eat right to lose weight right okay tell me more <laughs> well you know if you if you don't eat enough you put yourself into starvation mode and you know our evolution um, you know really sets us up to be survivors and we might not eat we might not have eaten as many times as we should have we'd be waiting for the next you know big mammoth kill or something you know the big hunt if you will but our bodies don't know that there's kind of a restaurant or a grocery store on every corner these days Um, so we need to eat to lose weight to keep our blood sugar stable to tell our bodies all day long that we're going to feed it so in with most of my clients we eat five to six times a day um, small meals but making sure that we tell our bodies we're going to keep it fed. You know, as entrepreneurs, Mm. we have a terrible habit of going all day long without eating because we're focused, we're intense, we have projects and deadlines. All of a sudden, five o'clock rolls around and we are ravenous, which is obviously a very dangerous time if you're wanting to watch your weight because you want to go eat too much and eat too much of the wrong things. That's exactly right. And most of my clients are professional men and women. And that's exactly what I find is they don't take the time to eat before they know it. They ran out the door at right, you know, without eating breakfast. And by the time they know it, um, lunch has passed them by. And then they're ravenous in the middle of the afternoon and they run to the vending machine. So feeding yourself from the time you wake up, 30 to 60 minutes after you wake up, having a good breakfast that includes protein, not just carbohydrates, and eating small meals throughout the day at about three hour intervals that also include some good protein, that's a better way to feed yourself and not put yourself into starvation mode. And you know, that requires creating new habits. Yes, it does. You know, it may sound kind of easy and it might actually Mm -hmm. sound kind of good because being able to eat throughout the the day is great. But I could 
easily see myself looking up at the clock and realizing it's two o'clock and I have had nothing to eat. Absolutely. So you really have to plan ahead. That is not something that's going to come naturally for busy people. That's exactly right. And you really have to, you might do things like set the alarm on your on your watch or on your smartphone. And I have lots of clients that do that. They're professional, successful, intelligent people. And you would think, why can't they get this? But that's a changing of your habit that you've exactly. probably developed when you were a child. So you have to acknowledge that. Well, you know, when I started working with you, I mm -hmm. didn't really understand that principle. And now I literally set my alarm because I work from home and I will work through my two and three hour eating intervals. Mm -hmm. And I set my alarm because if I don't and I work past it, then I'm starving and I have a tendency to want to go and snack and grab the wrong things. Exactly. And to overeat. Right. So what about exercise? Also, when I came uh, to know you, a, a really over a year ago, I was frustrated because I shared with you, I work out every single day faithfully for an hour. And if I miss my workout in the morning, I'll go work out that night. So I was frustrated. I did not understand if I'm working out every single day, why am I not losing weight? And you shared something very interesting with me. Yeah, this is a really big one, especially as New Year's resolutions, you know, are top of mind right now. And, and you know, everybody joins the gym. And joining a gym, working out, um, you know, it's great for your brain. It's great for your heart. It's a wonderful habit to have to be moving your body. But it's not effective for weight loss. And um, it's wonderful for weight management if you're already at a healthy weight. But it's an 80-20 rule. Every business has one, and this is mine in my business as, as a health coach. 80% if you need to lose weight is on food. It's on how you nourish and fuel your body. 20% is on the exercise. And what blows my mind is how many people work the 20% of the equation and don't take on the 80% of the equation. You know, that's really interesting because we tend to join the gym then for the wrong reasons. Exactly. Man, it's January. I got to get back to, you know, working on my weight. So I'm going to start increasing my workouts. And what you shared with me is you cannot work out enough mm -hmm. to reach your weight loss goal. And that was a light bulb moment for me. So obviously most of us feel like we eat healthy. Right. And if working out is not going to be the biggest piece of the solution, which I was working my head off to solve my my issue of wanting to drop 20 pounds. Mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't a lot, but it was enough to where it was important to me. And I find out that working out every day wasn't going to make that goal happen. Mm -hmm. So what do we do? Well, eating a lot of people come to me and say, I'm, I'm already eating healthy. I'm already buying all organic. And um, you can overeat those things. And um, I find a lot of times there, a person's idea of healthy may not really be healthy once I take a look at what they're really eating. But the bigger part of the issue is that they already have a lot of body fat already. They're already overweight. So I need to look at their habits and I need to make sure that they're eating in a way that helps them burn the fat that's already on their body. You know, there's this expression that you can't exercise a bad diet and you can't outrun your fork. And just eating healthy if you're already overweight um, is not really going to change the weight that's on you. It may maintain your weight. Uh, but what I do with my clients is to help them get into fat burn, eat differently, create those different habits. Um, it's important to figure, it's important to understand how you burn the fat that you already have on your body. You know, that was the light bulb moment mm -hmm. for me when I had a conversation with you right. because I felt like I ate healthy and I really didn't understand the concept of eating several times a day. And I was working out until you said, 
you're not going to lose that 20 pounds you, you've been trying to lose for several years until you send your body into fat burn mode. Right. I, that was what really got me. That's yeah. what made me realize all this setting and restarting is why I haven't lost my, my weight and haven't reached my goal. I mean, I would lose a pound here, lose a pound and a half there, gain it back, go back and forth. So tell us a little bit about fat burn mode. Yeah, fat burn, fat burn is also called ketosis. And, um, you know, for the most part, you control that through the carb intake that you have. And what I found is that even when people tell me they're eating healthy, um, there's still really a lot of carbs in their diet. It's, it's particularly carbs. And the reason is because it's so easy to go grab carbs, even good carbs like fruit, etc. It's very easy to get that, especially if you're a busy person. And it seems like the right choice oftentimes. Sure it does. Yeah, actually eating fruit's not a bad choice, right? It looks like a healthy choice. But if you already have fat on your body, I, I need to work with you to put a plan together so that you can use the fat on your body as well as the food you're eating to fuel your body. And, um, and exercise does help in that regard too, because you can do some different kinds of training to help you accelerate fat burn. But the majority of it comes from how you're eating, as I said, 80-20. And I think that one concept gave me enough hope to mm -hmm. stick to what you said religiously without changing it, without cheating. Because, you know, it's hard to stick to something like mm -hmm. a diet you've committed to if it feels like forever. Yeah. And you helped me understand, Debbie, you just need to get into fat burn mode. And once you're in fat burn mode, then you are losing weight and you can lighten up just a little bit. That one little concept helped me feel like, okay, this isn't forever. <laughs> right. No, no, it's, it shouldn't be about deprivation. I mean, I do hope that as I work with my clients, they develop some healthier habits for the long term um, and realize how food is affecting their bodies, right? And, and sometimes that's very general, but sometimes that's very specific to the client. And hopefully by working with me, they get in touch with those kinds of things in terms of what are good choices for them um, and how do they create some habits for themselves around the lives that they lead. So speaking of the lives that they've mm -hmm. led, what are some of the things that people have told you? Because obviously everyone has a different reason for why they need to lose weight. And with some of your own personal success stories, your mm -hmm. life and people you work with, what, uh, what have you been hearing from clients that have been impacted by working with you? Well, I love following your last segment about how important it is to understand the why of, of what you do, because the why is what I try to get my clients to talk with me about. Um, everybody comes and says, I want to lose 20 pounds. What I try to get them to talk to me about is why do you want to lose 20 pounds? In a lot of cases, they look fantastic. They're wonderful people. They're my friends. Um, I know the beauty inside of them, uh, but I want them to talk to me about why they want that. And um, it could be things like their children. Um, creating different habits for their children is something I hear very often. Wow. Diana Rissell, that is great stuff. To learn more about how Diana can help you with your weight loss goals or healthy living lifestyle goals, please visit her Facebook page, Diana Rissell. And that's one N in the word Diana, and it is one S and two L's. So find her on Facebook, ask questions, and get living healthy. Thanks, Debbie. And now don't go away. Coming up is our quality of life segment and how busy people can keep their quality of life commitments.
More of Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone is next on the Real News Communications Network. Who says green can't be clean? Here's a tip that many professional home cleaning services already know. You can power through the grime in less time with our 100% naturally safe speed cleaning products. Don't waste your time with the products that don't work. Our non-toxic cleaners are safe around pets and people, yet tough on dirt. If you want to clean your home in half the time, visit speedcleaning.com and sign up for our speed cleaning tip of the week. Be part of the movement that is standing up to cancer and get the new Stand Up to Cancer app for iPhone. Visit the App Store or download by texting STAND to 31826 and tell the world who you stand up for. Message and data rates may apply. You're listening to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone on the Real News Communications Network. And we're back with Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone on the Real News Communications Network. So how many times do we beat ourselves up for failing to exercise or paying those monthly dues at a gym that we intend to use or missing our kids' ball games or missing out on date night with our spouse? Let's face it, we're all busy. We are desperately busy, and entrepreneurs are absolutely the worst. We are our own worst boss. (laughs) We're maniacs demanding performance, demanding hours. We are our own worst boss. Business owners make really really bad bosses of ourselves. You know, I learned a long time ago that being excessively busy never goes away. Missing important life moments and missing those important commitments are not really a temporary thing. It becomes a way of life. The sooner you recognize that that's not going away, the quicker you can fix it. In other words, busy never stops. It's never, oh, well, I'm really busy right now, but later. Or I'm really busy right now, but next time. There is no next time. I've spent years being frustrated over my own irregular work hours. I had, I've, I've spent years being frustrated with myself for not working out regularly. That is a priority for me, is health and, and fitness. And I would have those spurts like most people do, where, you know, we decide, okay, I got to get back to my workout commitments and try to get up stairs and work out my goal would be four days a week. And if I'm lucky, it would be two or three days a week. And then over time, that would even fall away. So how do you stop staying in this frustration mode? And how do you stop making the wrong choices instead of continually making the right choices? And that's really what it boils down to. I used to think that it wasn't a choice. It was a circumstance. In other words, the reason I didn't work out today, well, that was a circumstance. You know, I had an appointment or I had a really important opportunity. I had a media interview and who's going to turn that down? Or I had a big client that I was able to pitch a sale to. Who's going to turn that down? Or I had an employee quit without notice. So I had no control over my schedule that day. I had to go in and take care of business. And so I always blamed my lack of being able to fulfill my own personal workout exercise commitments by circumstances. And what I discovered later on is those weren't circumstances. Every single one of those were choices. And I'll tell you, the 
the aha moment for me that I, I was really just making the wrong choices and that it was not about circumstances and being busy was when I realized as I looked back at my week and why I didn't exercise once, why I didn't go upstairs and get on the treadmill or get on the elliptical and exercise. And I looked at all the reasons I gave. One Monday, I had an early morning committee meeting by phone and that always took an hour and a half. And then I looked at Tuesday. I was slammed with back-to-back consults starting from 7 a.m. till like 2.30 in the afternoon. And then of course I'm hungry and exhausted after a day of consulting. And then I looked at Wednesday. Well, Wednesday I had to catch up. I had some deadlines. I had to write some articles. I had a board meeting at Wednesday at four. And then I looked at Thursday. And Thursday I had a really light day and I had a whole bunch of openings in the morning. And I realized that I chose Thursday to not work out because I was really tired and I kind of needed a break because all week long I had been really working like a dog. I had been grinding it out. So I decided, well, I'm not going to work out today because I'm kind of tired. And that was when I realized, oh, for crying out loud, I'm never going to work out. I am never going to work out consistently. And the reason is I didn't value that priority. I mean, it was a priority but I didn't value it. And so when I realized that I am never going to work out, I'm blaming it on all these circumstances. And I needed to realize that the reason I wasn't working out is because I always chose other things over working out. And that was it. And that was a light bulb moment for me. I was choosing to book early morning clients for consulting at 7.30 or 8.30 a.m., I was choosing to book, uh, you know, PR meetings at the time I should be working out or attending networking events at the time I could or should or needed to be working out. And it was the fact that I was making those choices instead of circumstances preventing me from doing what was important to me. That was when I realized, okay, this is never going to change. So I'm going to look back 20 years from now and go, wow, I never worked out. And that was important to me to not let that happen. So that's when I realized there are some things I have to do in order to make this a high value priority that I actually do fulfill, a commitment that I fulfill. And you can insert your own high value priorities. It could be time with your family, time with your spouse. It could be getting that degree that has been very important to you and for whatever reason all the circumstances in the world have prevented you from getting there. So the first thing I did and this made a huge difference in this commitment that I made to myself to work out is I put my workout schedule on my calendar and I told my staff the uh, administrative assistant that books all of my appointments I said I am not available Monday through Friday from 9.30 a.m. until 10 a.m. And if I have a physical meeting where I have to be showered, makeup, and dressed, I'm not available until after 11.30. <laughs> so I could come home sweaty, jump in the shower, clean up, and be out the door and at a physical location. So the first thing I did was I blocked an hour and a half on my calendar because you need an hour for your workout, you know, some time to travel, some time to get back and shower up. I put it on my calendar Monday through Friday and I said nothing, nothing, 
gets uh, bumps that appointment. And I meant it and I was determined. The second thing I did was I realized that I actually did not like going upstairs to the game room and watching television in order to make working out less miserable. And I would cut my workouts short. I would get horribly bored. I wasn't challenged. And the whole time I was focused on when is this going to (laughs) end? So I realized one of my excuses or circumstances that was preventing me from fulfilling my high value priority was I hated it. I did not like using the equipment in my house. Now, the problem with that is then you feel kind of guilty that you have all this expensive equipment so you don't join a gym. And that was why I hadn't joined a gym. I need the energy of other people. I need the accountability of other people in the classroom that will notice if I don't show up. So I decided forget the expensive equipment. I'm going across the street to my house to a place that I've been eyeballing for a year and I'm going to go check out Zumba. <laughs> and you know, that's not for everybody, but I love to dance and I, I don't ever get to dance. I mean, the only time I get to dance is at a New Year's Eve party or at a wedding. And then of course, I look like Elaine on Seinfeld and everybody stares at me like I'm crazy. So I love to dance. And I have often thought while I was dancing at a wedding, oh, I wish I could do this every day. I I would have a good workout and I would actually enjoy this. So I joined a Zumba class because that is dancing for a solid hour. Sweating, dancing, learning some really cool moves, which I desperately need to learn because I totally look like a dork and somewhat making a fool of yourself. But I have enough confidence that I really don't care if I make a fool of myself. If I'm having fun, sweating, losing weight, getting healthy, I really don't care. It took me probably five months to not look like a complete idiot while I was doing Zumba, but I had a blast getting there. I actually looked forward to my workouts every single day. This is not an infomercial for Zumba. I I don't sell Zumba classes. I'm saying first find what you like and find a way to keep your commitments and finding a workout that I enjoyed was a big step. So put it on your calendar. Make it easy on yourself by finding something you enjoy to do, whether it's, uh, you know, date night, something you enjoy doing with your spouse or doing with your children, whatever is a high value priority for you. And then realize that it is okay to let other things slip if you are allowing your high value priority to take top priority in your life. For example, it is okay to miss a sale. It is okay not to book a meeting. It's okay to turn down a really great media opportunity. So realize that it's actually okay to let other things slip if you're going to be able to keep your high value priorities. So you have to make these important commitments in your life a very high value priority. Otherwise, all the other circumstances are going to be vying for priority. The next sale, the upset client, the employee that's demanding your time, uh, you know, the networking meeting, that's a great opportunity. All those things will vie for that appointment. Whatever is a high value priority, keep it in its proper place and don't let anything stand in its way. 
And that's a wrap for today's show. You've been listening to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone on the Real News Communications Network. Be sure and listen each week for information and tips on cleaning up your business and your life. And follow us on Twitter at Debbie Sardone. And also be sure to tell us what you think on our Facebook page, Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone. We'll see you next time. For more information on cleaning up, visit us on Facebook and Twitter or at DebbieSardone.com.